This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 676. This particular house didn't have a fridge, so we bought a fridge, and that the wrong fridge was delivered to our house. Not one time, Dave. Not two times, Dave. Not three times, no. Dave. No. Not four times, Dave. <laughs> Not five times, Dave. Six what? times. Six Wait. times in a week. Okay. What's up, everybody? You got Rob here. We're shaking it up today. I'm joined here by my co-host, Dave Meyer, as we go through the triumphs and tribulations and victories and downfalls of my short-term rental portfolio, completely transparent and out there for the world to learn from. How's it going, Dave? Great. Thanks for having me. I, you know, I am very excited to be here because even though I, I come on and I do bigger news, you and I have never hosted a show together. This is the inaugural journey of Dave and Rob. I know, the beginning of a budding bromance, as they say. I can't wait. Well, it was fun doing this interview. Yeah, so do you feel like, uh, I, I know that you you have some property management. I know you're kind of involved with some of your stuff. But after this episode, how do you feel? Do you have the appetite to get into self-management on the short-term rental side? Uh you know, I, I don't just because it's not logistically really feasible for me because I live in Europe. But um, no, honestly, I I self-manage my long-term rentals for the first eight years. Um, and you just learn so much. And I think it would be very difficult for me to have hired a property manager without having self-managed at least for a little bit and you can but i just feel like you learn you know sort of what to expect um and that way you know like when a property manager comes to you and they're like this thing's broken you don't blame the property manager you know these things just kind of happen mm-hmm. and you get used to it and so that's what i loved about uh the the show is that you really just sort of bear it all and and uh explain to people how things go wrong mistakes that you've made Honestly, a lot of them aren't even mistakes, just things that go wrong that you can't really control. But it's super helpful to learn and see um, that even experienced, successful short-term rental investors like yourself still have these challenges. It sort of normalizes some of the challenges. And I think everyone listening to this will learn a lot from what you've been through just in the last week. All these things that Rob's going to talk about are just things that happen in a single week. It's not always fun, but it's always awesome. I mean, I... All the things we're gonna talk about today, ten things I actually had to cut out five out of the ten just for uh, keeping this podcast very nice and concise. But um, but yeah, I cut out ten. We're gonna be talking about basically my learning journey and in systems and everything that I've put in place to to fix it. But before we get too far into today's episode, we're gonna to get to today's quick tip. I think I'm I think I'm doing a good David impression on that. I hope he approves. I like that you're doing an impression of David doing an impression of Christian <laughs> Batman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's an impression of an impression. So I don't even know what yeah. that is at this well, point. Well, you're nailing but, it. <laughs> uh, impression squared. Uh, but yeah, today's quick tip is when you make a mistake or you have a failure in your business, regardless of it's short-term rentals, flipping, multifamily, anything like that, take that mistake and figure out how you can avoid ever making it again by creating a system or a process. Today, we talk about 10 different things that happened and all the different systems and processes that that has created for me, my workflow, and all the workflows of my different employees as well. And also, if you just want to connect with others and learn from their mistakes and learn how you can create processes through those, be sure to hit up the Bigger Pockets forums. There are people connecting there every day, networking, learning from each other, and sharing real-life experiences. 
Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Take control of your investments and secure more passive income today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com slash biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com slash biggerpockets. All right, with that, let's get into today's episode. What's up, man? How's it going? I'm excited to talk short-term rental tragedies with you today. I am too, man. I mean, I, I have a little bit of experience with short-term rentals, but I'm sure they, the depth and drama of your tragedies are like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very funny because I, I obviously talk a lot on YouTube about my short-term rental journey. And if you've followed along since the beginning, most people effectively saw my Airbnb journey go from one unit to 15. And then as of last month, I went from 15 to 35. And then if things continue to go the way they are, then I'll go from 35 to 58 here in the next couple of months. So scaling very quickly on my end of things. Yeah, you're gonna have 58 times more problems over the next couple <laughs> over the next couple of months. So I guess it's good that you've had some training to to give you the experience to deal with them better. For sure. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about specifically today, because obviously I, I really do believe that all real estate is very accessible to the everyday person. And for me, I, I believe that wholeheartedly about short-term rentals. I think they're very scary to a lot of people and it's the vice versa, right? Like I get a little scared thinking of long-term rentals and thinking of all the things that can go wrong with that. And then most long-term investors that I talk to are like, dude, are you kidding me? It's so easy. I'm scared to go into short-term rental because I'm scared of all the things that can go wrong there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's so easy. Um, so I think... I wanted to give a, a little bit of context to my journey today and really just talk about 
how things do go wrong, okay? This is just true. Like things go wrong when you're self-managing. This is gonna be a self-management masterclass for anyone that just wants to understand the the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows of short-term rentals. So I'm just gonna talk about today 10 things, okay? 10 things that went wrong in my short-term rental portfolio last week. This is the crazy part. <laughs> um, I actually <laughs> I actually just recorded a YouTube video on this, and it was actually 15 items. But for the, for the sake of the pod, I decided to cut it down to 10 and just give you my 10 juiciest stories and hopefully some learning experiences that came from each one. Does that work? Yeah, man. I'm excited to hear about them. <laughs> well, don't be too excited. I mean, I'll, I'll have a little bit of uh, sweat and PTSD throughout this episode, but it's okay. We're going to take it. We're going to take it item by item here. So let's start with number one. Uh, number one was a story of guests that locked themselves out of my property. Now, typically when you're in the short-term rental game, you try to do your best to automate the idea of check-ins. You don't want to be there checking people in. I mean, obviously that's a very nice amenity if that's what you want to do. But when you have 15, I just can't hire 15 people to be there at the door. So we have a lot of different processes for this. One process is we take photos of all the different steps that you have, like the literal steps that you have to take to get to the home, picture of the door, a picture of the keypad, and then you basically give them the keypad combination. And so for me, when I was getting started in short-term rentals, I actually did used to check people in on my very first apartment. And then I figured out the idea of a keypad or uh, like a lockbox. And then I figured out that you can do an electric keypad. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And then now it even goes one step further, Dave, where you can actually do a keypad that syncs up with your property management system. And every single time a guest checks in, it changes the code for every single reservation to the last four digits of that guest's phone number. So it makes it very, very easy. What, what kind of self-checking stuff are you doing on your property? That's actually what I have, but I have a professional management company. I, I live in Europe and I have automated as much as physically possible and I, I pay for it. It definitely costs a lot, but they it, one of the benefits is having that kind of technology. So, I mean, given that you are, uh, you know about all this stuff, how did they lock themselves out? Right, right, right. So this is where it gets very interesting. I've done this for five years. I've never really been in this, this specific situation. So basically, even though I have an electronic keypad, there is a deadbolt on the handle under it. So the guest left and then they came back and they said, hey, the code isn't working. And I was like, well, that's probably not true because the code was working the, the whole stay, you know, it's been a week. And they're like, I don't know. And then they're like, I hear it, but it's not actually doing it. We still can't get in. And then they're like, it's possible that we locked the deadbolt. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you mentioned it, then that you probably know that that's the case, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, it's no big deal. Like, let's just, you know, make sure it doesn't move. And they're like, no, it doesn't move. And I was like, all right, well, good news. I actually have another lock downstairs. There's a back door entrance where you can get into the home. And so she's like, great, fantastic. Like, shoot me the codes over to that. And I said, great. So all good. I'm good. This is a Sunday. And let me just say, Dave, I really pride myself on managing my places like, like one to two, sometimes three hours a week. Like it's very minimal. And uh, that was not true for this last week. That'll probably be <laughs> obvious as I move through every single one. But basically it's a Sunday. I'm trying to have dinner and like make lunch and all that type of stuff. And then basically she calls me and she says, Hey, that code is not working either. And then I was like, well, I mean, I, I'm looking at my app and it actually says it's unlocked. And she's like, no, we hear it unlocking, but the door isn't unlocking. And they're like, come to think of it. She's like, I actually think I left uh, at a different time than the other people in my group. This was a 13 person group. And I think that they might've locked the deadbolt. 
And I was like, well, you're there with 13 people right now. Do you think like maybe just confirm? And she's like, yep, that's what happened. Do you have a, a key? And I was like, well, I don't because typically the other door is the fail safe. I was like, how did you leave? How did you lock yourself out? And she basically was like, oh yeah, um, we left through the garage and we locked both the deadbolts and we left through the garage. Uh, we, we weren't really thinking. And so she's like, I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. This is totally on us. And I was like, oh, okay, well, hey, let me get my handyman over. He's pretty good at getting into my house. Like he always finds a way. He comes out there and he basically says, hey, man, uh, yeah, confirmed. They did lock both of the deadbolts. And he's like, I can try to, I can try to get into the garage, um, but it's probably going to break if I do. And then I was like, all right, well, give it a shot and let me know. So he called me back five minutes later. He's like, there is no way I can get in without breaking your garage. And I was like, oh, shoot. So at this point, it's been an hour. And these are 13 guests sitting outside of my home. And, you know, they're, they're, they're getting a little antsy. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, obviously, even though it's their fault, I'm like, I'm, you know, let me, let me help you. I'm going to get this taken care of. And I'm just going above and beyond to help them out as much as I can. So basically, I call locksmith, Dave. And the locksmith, I call four of them, and they're all going to be 250 oh to 300 bucks. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's that's the tax, right? The dummy tax for me. So I was like, okay. Better than breaking your garage. It, it is better than breaking my it's garage. cheaper. So here's where it gets really spicy, uh, the plot that is. And so basically, the I call one guy, and then he's like, hey, actually, it's going to be 100 bucks. I can be out there in 45 minutes. Everyone else was going to be like two hours. And I was like, oh. You are the greatest man known to all real estate investors in the world. And he's like, no problem, man. I got you. Well, he says he's going to be there in 45 minutes. He never shows up. He never shows up. And guests call me and they say, hey, we saw someone come about like 25 minutes ago. And then he turned around and left. What? And then I was like, well, that's not good. Yeah, I know. I was so, I was just like, I can't believe that. I just want to, I just want to eat my Chipotle burrito, Dave. That's all I want in life is just to eat my Chipotle burrito. And so. You and me both, man. <laughs> do they have those in europe no but uh yeah man the mexican food is terrible and i know Amsterdam. yeah but uh no i just yeah I, I i i sympathize even if it's not a burrito i just want to eat it well you know they do have a they do have a vapianos over there which is one of my favorite what's that franchise it's kind of like it's like european pandera uh, sorry no sorry it's like european panera Pandera. Oh, okay. I don't need. Is that even a thing? I don't even know. No, I think you made that word up, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what we do here at Bigger Pockets. So, anyways, I call. Listen, I call and I say, "Hey, what the heck? I heard that someone showed up." And then the lady on the phone was like, "Oh yeah, he drove up to the property and he didn't see anybody, so he turned around and left." And I was like, "That was like an hour and a half ago. You didn't think to call me and tell me that?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, sorry." And I was like. He didn't even drive to the house. He just drove to the beginning of the driveway, made the executive decision that 13 people weren't standing in front of the house, and he left. So needless to say, that did not result in a happy guest. They actually ended up breaking into my house. They did the oh. thing that the handyman didn't want to do, and they like broke into the garage. And oh, Dude, it was a big headache. So that one to me... That was a big L on my part for several reasons because it was the guest's fault, but it was also my fault. And I, I just got to take the L on that one, I think. Yeah, that that's that's a tough one. I mean, it's hard to control for every situation with your tenants, especially people who are, you know, in a short-term rental game. You uh, have people who are new to your house by definition. So is there anything you, you learn from it that you think you uh, to help you try and avoid something like this in the future? Yes, uh, I did. And it's also a very obvious one. Let me just be clear with that. But I usually have a backup to a system, right? And so the backup to the front door being locked is the back door being locked. And it's like, there's no way that this will ever fail on me. And it did. So the learning is just to have an extra keypad with 
with keys to the specific deadbolt. Uh, and so we now we've done that. My handyman went out, he bought a little keypad, keeps it under the deck. And like I said, I mean, this has never really happened where the guests locked both of the doors, but just because it hasn't happened before, doesn't mean I shouldn't have been prepared for it. And so, yeah, so I've learned to basically just keep the, the, just the original, the time tested physical key on the property. This was not just the only occurrence that happened this week, Dave. I actually had another guest at a different property, lock the screen door in front of the front door. And so they were locked out. Luckily on that one, we basically had other doors that they could get into. Took a lot longer to figure out than they, than they realized it's the same code. And they, yeah, a lot of, a lot of messages back and forth, but this one really sank me for a a solid five or six hours probably. So, um, so on that one, we learned on screen doors, it's a force of habit for people. They just will lock it if they do that at their own house. So we've just now replaced that lock or we're about to replace that lock with a non-locking door doorknob, which is, again, very dead simple. It makes a lot of sense. If guests can lock themselves out, they will. That was the hard lesson for me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, let's move into the, the second thing here that happened this week that really, again, lots of gray hairs that happened this week as a result. But, you know, David and I just bought this really awesome 6,000 square foot apartment. Sorry, 6,000 square foot Spanish mansion in Scottsdale. And uh, the water heater broke in it. Uh. And uh, it's a luxury place, right? So theoretically, you know, obviously you need hot water with any luxury place, right? <laughs> I think you need hot water with, with any place. Arguably. Arguably. <laughs> that's true. I think it's kind of important. Oh, man. So this, this was a $3,000 setback for me. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So basically, this was a Gladiator. It was like, I think the brand was like Ream Gladiator, which is like the Home Depot brand. And apparently, it's just a very niche brand that no plumbers would really touch. I don't really know why. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. But we called 10 different plumbers and they were like, oh, yeah, man, sorry, we don't service that. And so we were just trying to get someone to fix it, right? And we were hoping that maybe it was a user error. Sometimes you can just click the on-off button on the water heater. It'll turn back on. So these guests were just like, hey, you know, we get it. It's not your fault. Water heaters go out. We even looked at the the label at the front of it. And it says that it was manufactured in 2019. So it's a, it's a relatively new water heater. And so I was like, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. And so I really was just putting on my customer service hat really trying to accommodate them because they did have kids and they were talking about, they were all having to share basically. We have a little casita at the back of it. So they were all having to, to share and, and do all that kind of stuff. So I basically was like, look, I will refund you the amount of days that you don't have hot water. So it basically ends up being a free stay. And she was really, I mean, honestly, she was so nice because she didn't have to be. She, when I called her on the phone, she was like, basically, she was like, what you've done for us and how you've treated us and like, how over and beyond you've gone just really goes to show how great of a host you are. We really appreciate it. And I was like, Oh my God, that is so, that really moves me. And she's like, but as mentioned, do you think you could still refund us for the three nights? I was like, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, that's just one of those things. Like I, I, I've been there either both on short-term rentals and long-term rentals. There are certain things you just can't make up for, you know, like locking yourself out. That's, you know, there's some mutual, there's a system there, mutual fault there, but like, man, you need hot water. You need heat. You do. You know, when these things happen, there's almost nothing you could do, I guess, except 
try and be a good person, you know, refund their money if they're not getting the experience that you intended. Um, but man, is there anything else you think you could do to avoid something like that? No, but I think the lesson was really just, and this is a tough one because we have a home warranty, right? So typically home warranties do cover system faults like this. But w- the one really big issue with home warranties is that they're not super fast, right? They're, they're really, the premise of them is to not serve you super fast so that you are sort of forced to go out and pay for the repairs or the replacement without involving the home warranties, especially in the short-term rental world. So we have it for the really big systems. But in this instance, because I was trying to, we thought it was going to be a very easy fix. But again, it was such a niche model that every plumber in town was like, even if we could get parts, we still can't get them for you know, 10, 15 days. And so I just knew re- relatively early on that we just couldn't wait to get that fixed. And I think the thing that I could have done faster is just knowing that water heaters are not necessarily super expensive, right? And so I could have just replaced that right from the get-go. It's just not necessarily something you want to do. You don't want to always go straight to replacing an appliance, right? It's not the most financially responsible thing to do. But effectively, I ended up replacing it anyways, right? So I replaced the $600 heater. It was $1,000 in repairs. And then, so that's $1,600. And then I had to refund $1,500 in nightly rates. So I ended up spending $3,000 for something that honestly probably would have cost 80 bucks to fix if the parts were readily available. So for me at these at this level, at this level of my portfolio, I am always just trying to address problems as quickly as possible because refunds typically cost a lot more than the actual replacement cost of whatever you're trying to fix. Totally. Especially, man, with water heaters too. I don't usually like preemptively replace things. You know, that's not a a great move. But with water heaters, that might be like the one exception to the rule. Like if it's been, I think most of them last seven to 10 years. Like if you're, if you're getting up there, that's one of those things you're going to have to replace it anyway. And rather than trying to squeak out another six months or a year, you know, just bite the bullet and avoid what you what you had to do with flood with uh, refunds, but like sometimes they flood, you know, they break. That's like one of those oh things gosh, you yeah. just you just want to be a, a bit ahead of. Well, yeah, and it's tough, right? Because I've got a I've got a business partner on it, right? I got to think of their uh, best interest as well. And so, in my personal portfolio, I may have just swapped it out. I'm not really sure. I think I would have, but usually it is you try to fix it if it's a simple thing. But because once you start having other partners and investors, you really have to start thinking of things a lot bigger than how you would personally handle it. And so that that's something that comes to mind really often in my 15-unit portfolio and now 35-unit portfolio is speed actually does save you a lot of money a lot of the times in this game, especially for something like this, especially on a luxury property where now we're charging about, uh, I mean, peak season coming up, 2000 2500 bucks a night. So one night of a refund could really be quite detrimental to you. Luckily, we were still in the slow season, so it was like a five to $700 a night reservation. But in a couple of months from now, it would have been a multi-thousand dollar event. Actually, it still was now, but I guess more than 3,000 bucks. Um, so there's that. that. That's number two. Um, let's keep these moving because yeah, I'm already, the sweat is already beginning to form. You're just having, you're having flashbacks from that last week. Yes, uh, uh, hot flashes, if you will. <laughs> um, number three, the AC went out at a different property. This was fun. Um, again, I've never had an AC problem ever up until this moment. But hey, that is why you have a CapEx account, right? So Where is it? Uh, it's in Gallenberg. Oh, okay, so it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Um, but 
Okay, so here's kind of what happened. Um, there's a, a misconception out there with most people that if you go to your thermostat and it's on 70 and it's kind of warm and it's cooling down, that if you go and you crank it down to 50, that it's going to make it colder. And that, that's not how it works. Effectively, the way air conditioners work, from my understanding, not a tech, but basically it just shoots out the, the cool air until it reaches the temperature that you want it to, to reach. So just because you put it at 50 doesn't mean that the the actual air is coming out any colder. That's just, that's not how it works. It just will basically keep running continually until it reaches 50 degrees, which is effectively impossible for any old AC system in a house. I mean, maybe it is, but I doubt it. And so what do you think happened? The guest go, goes in and like, it's a little warm. I'm like, all right, yeah, just turn it down. And basically they turned it down to like 50. And because it was already basically uh, cool, they never turned it back up. So the AC basically ran for hours and hours and hours and it froze up the coil froze up and I was like man and so they were basically out of AC for that day until the coil melted and could actually start to function again and so this again a very expensive repair for me because I had to get the AC guy to come out and both times he's like yep uh here's the good news there's not much I can do here's the bad news it's going to take about six to eight hours for this to thaw out and I was like beautiful yeah so I think that one put me put me back around Total that AC system that week, I want to say it was about twenty six hundred bucks, man. Wow, it was a fatty. I mean, have you have you tried like Nest or EcoBee or any of these smart thermostats? Because that's what I have, and I can control my tenants uh, what they're doing with the thermostat. And I pretty much let them do it. I mostly use it because my I only have one short term rental, but it's in the mountains in Colorado. Um, and you know, I don't need it heated in the winter to, you know, if no one's at the place so I can control it and turn it up. But I wonder if that same thing would work for an AC. It would. That's actually, that was my, my learning experience. And and this is really what it comes down to is that I don't typically go out and replace things willy nilly unless I really have to. Right. So if a house has a functioning thermostat, I'm not really going to go in and spend 200 bucks and then whatever it might cost an AC tech to come out and, and swap it out because it works, right? It, there's no problem with that. So when I actually moved into this house and like I was getting it ready for Airbnb and everything, one of the thermostats was faulty. And so I actually did upgrade that to the Nest. However, Dave, I have three air conditioning units on this property. Uh. And so the other two thermostats were still kind of the more primitive you know, thermostats, just your typical one, not controlled by Wi-Fi. But now knowing the ramifications of that and the fact, you know, the Nest, like you say, you can set a bottom out of like 70 degrees. That way, whenever, even if they try, they can't get it any colder. And it shouldn't really matter because you'll never really need it to be colder than 70 degrees. I mean, if you want it to be 68, I guess you could still put that at your bottom, but it would at least block the people who try to, you know, to do the whole hotel thing where they walk in, set it to 50 and leave so that it's freezing when they come back. All right. Yeah. I mean, they're not cheap, but they, they can be worthwhile. Um, kind of a pain in the butt to install too, depending on your wiring, but yeah, they are, they are very useful. So that's a, that's a good lesson. All right. What's number four? Oh man. This one is a, okay. This one was a flub. I will say I, I'm dumb, but also I have automations in place for this exact reason. All right. So a guest calls me. All right. And she says, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming to your, your, your house. I'm really excited. Can you, can you shoot me the address now? Or, or she, I think she texted me that. Now I have automations in place that the day before you check in, I, I send you all that information. I say, Hey, all that information is in the trip details. 
under your reservation. Also, here's your guest book, like it's a digital guide. And if you use this, it'll give you all the check-in instructions. So I rarely have people that that call me for this type of thing. Uh, actually, it's, it's pretty much, I would say in the last year, maybe two people, maybe. Oh. Um, and so... Um, but there is one house, the house that I was just talking about. Sometimes I might get that type of question because there's not a lot of service there. And so maybe they, I figured maybe they weren't able to get the Airbnb app pulled up. And so I was like, you know what? Instead of being like mini passive aggressive and saying, as per the message I sent you literally two hours ago, uh, here's the information. I was just like, you know, I'm going to help her out. So I shoot her the address via, via text and she calls me and she says, hey, this isn't the house. And I was like, um, what, can you clarify what, what exactly do you mean by that? <laughs> and she's like, this looks completely different from the photos. And so sometimes you do have guests that are, you know, they're like, hey, you, the, these photos make the place look a lot more spacious than it is. Or you use the filter on this and this is yeah, actually, yeah. and so you, you might have that every so often. So I was really just trying to get to the heart of like the frustration or the issue. She's like, well, we booked a chalet and the photo or sorry, the house that we're at is like a house. It's like a cottage. And so when she texted me and she said, I'm on the way to your house, I thought she meant the house, not my cabin slash cal- uh, not my cabin slash chalet. So I texted her the wrong address to the oh. wrong house. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, man, I should have just done the passive aggressive thing <laughs> and said, by the way, I sent this information to you yesterday. And this was like, oh, I was like, man, I'm, I was just so annoyed with myself because I just didn't ask. And so luckily... The house was only, I mean, I don't know. Now, I guess I'm not going to say luckily, but it was 45 minutes away. So luckily it was within reach. Yeah. Unluckily, it was, you know, pretty far away. So, so they weren't really happy about it. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I, call, I always call. If there's something, if there's like a really big issue, I call. Text is not a really good place to work something out with a guest. So I call them like, hey, I'm so sorry. This has never happened before. You know, I have two houses and typically people call me about this one and this is on me. I'm sorry. She's like, no, no, it's okay. She was, I mean, her husband, you could hear him in the background and he was like, ask him if he's sure. Is he sure that this new address (laughs) is definitely it? And I'm like, it is, it is. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. Um, (laughs) The learning experience here is just to double check, right? Like she gave me the, she gave me her name. She's like, my name is Megan. And I was like, I casually remembered that and I didn't think to check. So I was like, oh yeah, here it is. And if I had just taken like 10 more seconds, I could have saved them 45 minutes, right? So again, that one was a flub on my end. I have the automations in place, but you still can't automate flubs like that where you just don't check, right? Like I should have double checked. That one's on me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as being on the receiving end of those passive aggressive host emails recently, I, I do think they do it for a reason. Like I've asked that question that they've definitely sent me the answer to. And they're like, just checked your housing book. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. And then when you read it, it's like, actually the host put in a lot of time into this and I should have probably read it like an adult um, instead of just sending the host questions. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know how you avoid that one. That, that That's just a, we're all human kind of thing. It just happens. Well, yeah, and I'm busy too, right? So I'm like living my life and I automate this for the sole purpose of not having to deal with this kind of stuff. And my assistant helps me with all this too. And I think she was just busy. And I, whenever I can, oh, you know what? My phone number's on the account. So she reached out to me and I was like, all right, I'm just going to make this super easy. Boom, boom, boom. And then I get a call. And again, this is like a 30 minute conversation and me checking in and being kind of overbearing with hospitality at that point and being like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's move on to the next one, which is a bit juicier. This one, there was a learning experience that I, I, let me just say for everyone listening at home, 
I do hate this one the most, probably, out of all the ones that I'm going to talk about. But I think if you hear me out, you can understand how it would have happened. So it's August, and August in on the East Coast is not the, the coldest you know, time, really. It's, it's a pretty warm. But we do have a cast iron stove in our cabins. And so I, I you know, we, we allow people to use that. That's an amenity that people like. We had a guest who wanted to light a fire in the cast iron stove in the middle of August when it was like 95 degrees, maybe 98 degrees and completely humid. So already that's just a weird scenario that isn't going to happen. But Effectively, when they opened the cast iron stove, there was like a, a pair of blue jays in there. What? Like the birds. Like, like living in there? No. Oh. No, they were dead. Dying in there. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean oh, we don't no. they, they looked uh they looked relatively fresh. Like they weren't they weren't like uh I don't know, rigor mortis or anything like that. Wait, how did they get in there? Well, because there's a flu that goes out to the, oh. to the roof. And so they so made a, like they made a in nest. There. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they made a nest, and basically, I guess the nest fell through because you could see, and they couldn't. Poor, poor little things could not make their way out. Which is, you know, uh, that's how it works. So a little sad, yeah, honestly. Yeah. yeah, it is sad. So that it's one bad. is just kind of like a. I mean, we had to apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, please understand. We typically people don't. Well, a typically people don't use this, so we don't open it. Like my guest. Uh, sorry, my cleaners, it is their job to check the cast iron stove literally between every stay whenever it's being used. But when it's not being used, it stays empty, right? This is, I've had many cast iron stoves. I've had chimneys. This is not something that's really ever happened. And so learning experience for all of us. And it's, hey, just because a space isn't being used does not mean that you shouldn't check it. And for the most part, it is actually on our cleaning list to check unused spaces like coffee makers, uh, microwaves, cabinets, closets, garages, all that kind of stuff is checked. But a cast iron stove is really more of an aesthetic thing for that part of the, the year. And so my get, and also, like I said, my cleaner, she's like effectively sweating when she's in there because it's hot outside and she doesn't like blast the AC on or anything to be respectful and everything. So she didn't check. So now our learning experience from this is, hey, literally every nook and cranny of the house must be checked very diligently first thing before you ever leave the house. So that that now it is part of our cleaning routine to check for dead blue jays. Wow. I mean, everyone out there, make sure check for dead <laughs> blue jays. Very important yeah. part of your checklist. Honestly, who I have I, I have a, a like a similar kind of thing, like a wood burning stove. And I would never even think about that. Especially in the summer. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone's checking in there. I mean who's starting a fire when it's already so hot but you know people want to do it it's tough it's a learning situation though right well and here's the deal regardless of whether it was hot or not there were blue jays in there and so if we had gotten to october and no one would ever have opened it there still would have been blue jays in there right so at some point the other shoe was going to drop but again maybe at that point once we start cleaning it out and getting it ready for use, then it would have been discovered. But it doesn't really matter. I, I take the L on that one, too, because I'm like, well, I, it's such a rare thing that it's like that's what processes and systems are all about, right? Something happens that disrupts your day or your workflow significantly. And so you go back to your team and all of your employees 
that or all of your vendors and you say, how can we prevent this from ever happening again? And so all of these things are a form of a system, right? I now have a manual lockbox outside of my house. I now have a Nest thermostat in this house. I have the automations because people have always would call me and ask me for directions to my house. And I said, I'm going to put this automation in place. That one obviously failed on me that one time, but that has stopped this problem from happening. And then now there there were blue jays in my my wood burning stove. And so I disrupted my Sunday or my Saturday. And I'm like, this will never happen again. And here's what I'm going to do to make sure. So if you're listening to this at home, please don't judge. I mean, this really still happens at a large scale, especially with 35 units. This stuff, this is just another week for us. Uh, Stuff like this goes wrong all the time. And then we just say, all right, this can never happen again. Let's fix it. Now we'll say typically this week was a little bit worse, probably the worst week I've had in a very long time. But all to say, I was never really freaking out because I was like, well, (laughs) I kind of laugh about these things at this point. I'm like, all right, that was dumb of me or that's a dumb situation. Let's fix it. Move on. Who's going to fix it? Because obviously it's not going to be me because I don't live in the same place as any of my rentals. So all of this is a learning experience and just understand this will happen to you at home. uh, Sorry, at your short-term rentals all the time. And you just have to keep your head cool and move on because yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't shut down the business just because you failed one time or 10 like I did this week. Oh, well, it's not all failure, but yeah, I get, I get your point. I mean, you can't expect perfection. It's not like a personal failure. These things just happen, but yeah, your point is well taken. <laughs> Thanks for the sympathy, man. I've been, yeah, I've been really down on myself. You, man. I mean, if you, if you counted everything that went wrong in real estate investing as a personal loss, man, that would be a depressing lifestyle. It's, it just goes wrong. Yeah, but the good, the you know, the the good is really good, right? Like you read the reviews and you're like, this okay, I turned this one around. I think I'm always more proud of this kind of stuff happening and then the guest leaves me a five-star review because of how out of my way I went to to make it a great experience for them. So, and that That's- for I think 90% of these I think that worked out. Like nine like 9 out of 10, I think everyone was relatively happy by the end. Good. Um okay. Moving on. Moving on to to the second half of this list, number six. Oh man, see this one not my fault, but let's we'll let the audience be the judge of it. Number six, the guests that stayed at my cabin lied about how clean this cabin was. Like when they got there, yeah, yeah, they reached out and they're like, "Hey, we're super unhappy about the cleanliness of this place, and we're not comfortable staying here." And so we want a refund. We're going to leave. So my first assumption when this happens all the time is like, oh man, my cleaner is going to have it. Let's have, you know, and I'm just like, all right, no, no, let's just think about it. So obviously I don't ever come at my cleaners like that, but naturally I'm like, how could this, how could it be so dirty that they would feel this way? And so we reach out and we're so confused because we had just hired these cleaners. We interviewed them. They were amazing. They're like, here's our process. Here's our list. We take photos of everything beforehand. We're going to send you timestamped photos of every clean so you can see it. And they had actually done one clean for us. And it was really great. The guest was like an amazingly clean place. And so we were like, okay, uh, they're great. And so when this guest reaches out and says that it was left dirty, our first thought is that they forgot to basically clean the place. I mean, this has happened to me before in my in my career, in my short-term rental journey. And so we reached out and we're like, hey, um, I'm sorry to bring this up, but here's what the guest just said. And we sent them like photos, right? And the photos, mind you, weren't really, they weren't, 
okay, let me just, let me tell you what the photos were. The photos were like, there was like a, like a string of hair on the sink. And then there was like a used towel in like the, the bathtub, which is how we tell people, we're always like, we always say, Hey, can you leave the bath, the towel in the bathtub? So we know that it's dirty. And so we bring this up to the attention of the cleaners and the cleaners basically say, Hey, listen, I don't want, I don't want to like get into this with your guests, but they are lying. Like I can guarantee you they're lying. You've talked to us. You know how seriously we take our job. You know that we're very good. And so we were like, okay, maybe they're right. And so basically what happens is this guest is like, hey, we're going to leave. I'm sorry. Like we're, we're, we're not comfortable. And we're like, all right, let us, we're just, we're checking with our cleaner. Let us just get to the bottom of this. Cause we want to like, can we just send her back out so that she can clean this and, and make, make this right? Cause that's always my, my first thing. If someone's unhappy about something, I try to fix it as soon as possible. And they're like, no, sorry, we're not comfortable with that. We're just going to leave. So I'm just like, okay, fine. So we send out the photos to the cleaner and she says, hey, that white towel, you don't even have white towels. And they said that the dish, the dishes were all dirty. When you called me earlier today, I was literally unloading the dishwasher. Like you, you know that I wash the dishes and you know that you don't even have white towels. And then she's like, wait a minute, hold on one second. And so she sent me a photo of this one towel that they put in the bathtub like at the very bottom of a stack of 10 towels in the laundry room that she took a photo of that was timestamped. She's like, there you go. This was a photo that I sent you today of the laundry room of that towel that we don't even put out for guests. That's our personal cleaning towel. They took that towel because it's like, it's our cleaning towel and they put it in the, in the bathtub to make it look like we left it there. We don't use that towel, you know? And so I was just like, Oh, yeah. So again, this is like a two or three hour conversation between my me, my business partner, my assistant, the cleaners and the guests. And yeah, I mean, it really, it really set us, you know, set us back that Sunday night. It, this all happens Damn. on Sunday. I feel like. I mean, what? That's just mean. You think they just like <laughs> had another place or like they, I, what? They're, That's weird. There's a couple things here, Dave. So basically it is kind of, it's not really that secluded, but it is like, it is in the country and it's not really that creepy. It's like there are houses in sight, but there's like a highway in front of it. And so there could be a multitude of reasons. They, they could have found out that it was just farther than they thought, which we advertise all that stuff very specifically. They could have been turned off by the somewhat seclusion of it. They could have been a little creeped out. Dude, this happens all the time. People get to a property and it really matches up to what we say it's going to be from a seclusion standpoint. They get in their head and they're like, oh my God, like I can't stay here. And then they try to find a reason to basically like leave. And so that's kind of what happened to us th- this round. All right. So, I mean, this one is weird to me because I don't even know <laughs> what, you, what yeah. you do about something like this. But is there anything you, you took away from this? Yes. Um, and it's, it's that you're going to have the occasional guest that lies that is just trying to get out of things. You know, this is just a part of doing business, right? And so me and my partner were like talking this out. So it was my assistant. And then I'm just kind of like, oh, heck no. Like we're not, no, I won't stand for this. Like, I can't believe that they would throw our cleaners under the bus because we had verified. I mean, the cleaners flat out basically proved that they were lying just to get a refund. And so I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call Airbnb. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to let them know what happened. We're going to show them the proof. We're going to cancel this reservation. And I'm not going to refund this guy because, like, you know, this is something that he, he's trying to basically uh, pull one over on us. And I was like, I'm not going to have that in my business. And so my partner and my assistant, they're like, yeah, we agree. Like, 
I think you're you're handling this very well considering you know what the circumstances. So I was like, uh, let me, give me some time. Uh, let me put my daughter down and I'll let you know. So you know the phrase, cooler heads prevail, right? Um, I think that's the phrase anyways. And so I put my daughter down and I don't know. It's just my daughter is like the joy of my life, right? So I was just like, I kind of left after I put her down and I, I walked out of our room and I was like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, it's 500 bucks. If this reservation was like 2000 bucks, maybe I would have like been more adamant about it, but it was 500 bucks. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't on the scale of a 15 unit portfolio. And I say I, I flip flop from 15 to 35 a lot because I just, they're kind of two separate animals and the cash flow are different and there's like investors and all that stuff. But on my personal 15 unit portfolio, $500 is such a tiny, tiny sliver of the monthly income. And so it just was not worth the several out when you value your time, right? And you have like an hourly rate assigned to your time. You got to think about it. And you're like, is it worth 500 bucks for me to spend the next two hours dealing with Airbnb and then the next 10 hours dealing with a disgruntled guest? And if they are disgruntled and they went to these lengths to basically lie and get a refund, what lengths would they go to to, to uh, win this, right? They have the check-in information. They can come back. They can break in. They can sabotage us in some capacity. Um, my name is attached to this in some capacity, like the raw built name. And I, I believe in that, right, from my brand perspective. And I'm just like, it's not worth the 500 bucks. And so I basically sent a long thing to my partner and my assistant. I was like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. We just let it go. We just refund them. And we just pretend like this didn't happen and we rebook it. How do you feel about that? Because I wanted to give my partner a chance to chime in. And he was like, you know what? I think you're right. Every so often we're going to have a guest like this and it doesn't happen really ever. And so because this is the first time this has ever happened, let's just take the L and move on. I was like, great. And you know what? I slept much better that night. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's such a good lesson because this happens in so many different things in real estate, just when you're dealing with tenants or just, it's not even necessarily with tenants. It's like, you get yourself worked up about short-term things, uh, you know, whether it's how a long-term rental guest leaves your place or a short-term rental place. And honestly, you got to just take a look at the long view, man. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, you don't want to let people take advantage of you and you don't want to be sloppy with the way you handle your expenses. But at the end of the day, man, you know, it, you, you invest in real estate to make your life better. And if it's stressing you out, it's just not worth it. So right. um, luckily, you know, like you said, cooler heads prevail and you just have to think about long term view. Think about how you can avoid it in the, uh, you know, avoid these situations in the long term, uh, but not get yourself too worked up about any individual problem. Well, I'd be curious on your side of things because I know you have a lot of rentals and I know you talked about how you have the uh, this a property manager on your short term rental. What's that like? I mean, that's got to be pretty relaxing, right? <laughs> like, does, does everyone manage your properties or do you do any self-management? Uh, well, for my rentals, I did self-management for eight years. So I was doing that oh, for okay, quite okay. A, a while. Uh, but when I moved to Europe, uh, I've outsourced most of my management of my long-term rentals. I actually still do a lot of the leasing. Um, I, I do a lot of the the... Yeah, like the legal stuff, like negotiating new leases, um, setting the prices, that kind of stuff. But I have someone do maintenance essentially for me and, and turning the properties. With the short-term rental, I'm pretty hands-off. They come to me, you know, there's like certain dollar thresholds where it's basically like, 
you know, if the expense is going to be over 200 bucks, they need my verbal approval. So they'll call me or email me. And that's super easy. Um, but for the most part, I've never talked to a, te- uh, a short term rental tenant ever. I've had the place for four years. So, um, yeah, so that that's that's hmm. makes it a little bit easier. Um, and but you pay a lot for it. You know, it, it's definitely not <laughs> do. efficient uh, from a financial standpoint. But uh, for me, just, you know, living abroad, I, I have yeah, chosen it to, has to, be done, to sacrifice right? a bit of cash flow in exchange for peace of mind. Sort of like what you're just saying, you know, peace of mind is pretty valuable. I'm willing to pay for it. It is. It is. And let me just be clear with people. I mean, for me, I don't want to like, I don't want to under, I don't know. I don't want to undermine how much 500 bucks can be for someone at home. Like if this was your only rental and that $500 is like the difference between making your, your mortgage or breaking even or making a profit fight for it. Like if it's just your one and you got the time, like stick to your guns, do it. It's, there's no problem with that at all. Totally. In this situation, it's just not worth it for me, like at this level, right? 500 bucks for the amount of time that... Because like the thing is, I already know what was going to happen. We're going to say, no, he's going to message me for the next 10 days, like all mad and I'm going to respond and then he's going to get heated and then I'll probably be heated and then we never talk to... It's just not worth it. So I think for, for anyone starting out, stick to your guns, choose your battles. That's effectively what this whole list is about. I'm very pro self-management and sometimes I have to choose all my battles and sometimes I have to walk away from all of them just because there's 15 units. So the show must go on regardless of emotion, right? And so if you can pull that out, uh, of of the equation and basically just focus on the the objectivity of this, then you'll hopefully just look at the final tally at the end of the month versus like the profitability every single day. Because I think that's the the trap that a lot of people fall into. It's like, oh, this is the reservation that makes me profitable or not. And so it, there's so much more at stake when you look at it that way versus you know the the monthly bird's eye view and the yearly bird's eye view. No, that's a great point. I'm glad you said that because that is that's definitely true. If it is your first property and it's 500 bucks and you're really relying on that, you're going to treat it differently. But you know, as, as you scale, you just encounter different problems and need to prioritize your time a little bit differently. For sure, for sure. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. 
Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right. Well, this next one. Uh oh. <laughs> I can't make this up, Dave. I can't make this up. I really can't. Um, <laughs> I'm nervous now. <laughs> okay. So uh, we were setting up a place here in Texas, a new Airbnb uh, with an investor. And basically, uh, we make this very easy for the investor. Investor comes in, they invest. They finance the property. We set it up. We're the operations. We furnish it. We do all that kind of stuff, right? Good and bad there. The bad is we do everything. We have to furnish everything. And that in and of itself is an adventure. However, this particular house didn't have a fridge. So we bought a fridge and that the wrong fridge was delivered to our house. Not one time, Dave. Not two times, Dave. Not three times, no. Dave. No. No. Not four times, Dave. <laughs> Not five times, Dave. What? Six times. What? Six Wait. times okay. in a week. Wait, is it the same fridge they keep trying to deliver, or did you have six different fridges delivered? Six different fridges. They were wrong. We had the right one at first. That one came in. It was broken. They sent it back. They sent another one. That one wasn't counter counter depth, so it stuck out like a foot because uh, they were like, hey, th- this one should fit exactly the same specifications. We're out of the other one. Then they didn't show up, and then they did show up. So six six deliveries later, we finally have a fridge. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I felt so bad, dude. I felt so bad for my business partner. He's like the operations guy. He was there handling it. And, man, th- I mean, we should have been done with this, like, in a week, but it took two weeks. He was there for a whole week. And then they would say, Hey, we're going to deliver it tomorrow. And so he would drive an hour and a half the night before to go wait. And then the morning of, they would say, Hey, just kidding. (laughs) We're going to reschedule this to tomorrow. And so he'd be like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay the night. And then he would stay the night and they still wouldn't like come and deliver the fridge. And then they did. And then it was the wrong fridge. Dude, I cannot, I dude, this is not an exaggeration. Like 
every day he would text me. He was like, all right, we're on fridge delivery number four now, number five. And then, oh man, I felt so bad. So uh, no learning experiences here. This is just one of those. <laughs> just a <laughs> really annoying situation. Yeah. Yep. I guess this is just part of the like appliance supply chain issue, right? Like, it is. There's it just, is. it's tough to get anything right now. So if it's, if anything goes wrong, I feel like it just cascades and sets off this chain of events where it's like super hard. It's not like you can just drive to Home Depot anymore and just like snag a new fridge. It's just like you could be waiting another couple of weeks. That was, I mean, I can't say this is a learning experience because this isn't logical. It's just, it was the perfect storm of stuff, right? I, the, the only thing that we could have done differently was rent our own truck, go to Home Depot or Lowe's, pick out the correct fridge, hope that it was in stock, put it in the truck, hire someone to help us unload it and install it in the house. Like that's the only thing that we could have possibly done a little bit different, but it, it doesn't logically you would have expected after like the second mishap that the, the fridge would have come. So it's like bad luck, just bad luck on this, especially since it happened <laughs> on the same week as all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, honestly, I think that's actually a really interesting point. Cause it's like, you try, we're talking about how to prevent these things and lessons learned, but sometimes you just got to say like, I did the highest probability thing and it didn't work out yep. and that's okay. Like you're going to have to deal with these things. Cause like, if you like what you did, what you're saying you could do as an alternative, it's just not really practical like to do that for everything. So it's just like, you gotta be like, it stinks. It's annoying, but I, I'm not going to drive my tie myself in knots to try and avoid this one because it probably won't happen again. No, no. It well hold on, sir. <laughs> knock on wood. Actively knock on wood. Oh no. Let's move on to one? number eight. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh all right. So this one's funny. Uh this is a different property uh, in California. Uh my dishwasher went out and <clears throat> it wasn't working. Cleaner says, hey, it's not it's not draining the the correct way. And I was like, oh well, you know. All right, let me let me get someone out. So, I hire a plumber that he's actually I, I, his name is Richard. All right, he works at Home Depot, and him and I have always had like a we're we're like spirit animals, right? Like I, I go him, I talk to him about my problems. I'm like, hey man, I need a faucet today, and he's like, yeah, but what else is what else is new with Rob? And I'm like, I'm so glad <laughs> you asked, Richard. So he's my guy, he's my go-to guy for plumbing stuff, and I'm like, hey, it's not draining. I think it's because the the way you kind of install a hose from a dishwasher to a garbage disposal. It has to go up. I don't really know the the details, but basically it wasn't like that. And so he goes in and he installs. He's like, Hey, you're good. Uh, it should, it should work now. I was like, great. And so basically cleaner comes the next day to finish the job. She's like, Hey, it's still not draining. And I was like, dang it. And so I called him and he said, Oh, it's probably a motherboard thing then. And I was like, all right, sounds good. Let me get a tech out there. Tech's like, all right, we'll come out. It's going to be 150 bucks. And I was like, fantastic. Come and come and fix this thing. He comes out and he basically says, Hey, uh, it is the motherboard. Uh, we can fix this. It will cost you about 750 bucks. And I was like, that's more than a dishwasher. He's like, yeah, that's how it is on these appliances. Sometimes it costs more to fix them than to actually replace them. Oh, I, I get that all the time, man. Yeah. And I was, that happened to me one time with my, like the very first experience I had with the home warranty, I, I hit, I hit the jackpot. I thought because the drum inside my dryer broke. And so they were like, yeah, it's going to be a thousand dollars to replace. Here's 800 bucks. Go buy a new one. This is like the first week of living in my house. And I was like, home warranties are the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's the only time it's ever worked out for me. The other 15 claims did not work out for me. 
Dude, I wonder if they do that on purpose. They like they like service your first claim really well, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna get him. <laughs> now." Rob's gonna buy a home warranty for every property, and we're gonna screw him over on each. <laughs> Let me tell you, it worked because I am always like, "I need a home warranty," and now I'm like, "I don't, I don't even use it. It's annoying to use a home warranty." I know. Yeah, they are really. And I still funny. pay for it. I'm yeah. I'm the dummy here, but basically. <laughs> Uh, okay, so here there's like several there's several st- stabs in the heart on this one, but basically they come out they say it's gonna cost seven fifty. This is like you know the boys to men like how do I say goodbye because like Whoa, this dishwasher I got for is free. This like a known thing. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let's we're not gonna get into my singing voice now. I've got nothing prepared. I've got nothing prepared. Uh, um, I'm impressed. Yes. Uh, all right. <laughs> so uh, basically. I'm like real sad to say goodbye to this dishwasher because I got it for free off of Craigslist like five years ago, six years ago. It was a stainless steel one. I was like, oh my God, me and my wife were so broke. And we're like, we got a brand new stainless steel dishwasher. So it really did live its life. It, it lived a full life, okay? Like my my final talk to this thing, I'm like, you wash dishes really well and I'll always be thankful for the service you provided to this family. So this dishwasher is null and void. And I was like, man, I should call my home warranty. I was like, oh, I don't have a home warranty on this. No big deal. So fast forward, I buy the dishwasher for this short-term rental because the guest is like, hey, your dishwasher, like, I was like, hey, it's broken, but are you cool to like hand wash your dishes until I get the dishwasher? Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, man, but definitely get it in here because I'm, I'm going to use it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I order it. They deliver the dishwasher, Dave. The dishwasher is broken. It like won't open. So they call me. They say, hey, I'm so sorry. It's broken. Uh, we have to send you a new one. And I was like, put it on my tab. So they send it out. And uh, and then I'm like, all right, they're going to deliver it. Several days come, go by. And I'm like, they, they still don't deliver it. And I call back. I'm like, hey, you didn't, you didn't re-deliver it. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. We say, we, just a little life pro tip. We always tell you that we're going to re-deliver it. But you have to call to do that, to like initiate it. And I was like, all right, fantastic. They send out the, the new dishwasher, the delivery guy. Basically, I don't really know what happens, but he gets into a screaming match <laughs> with his manager. And the guest was like, I don't know, man. It was so weird. Like he was on the phone with his manager and his manager was like, do your job. And he's like, no, you do your job. And they're like fighting back and forth. So basically the guy leaves. He's like, I'm not going to install this dishwasher. And I was like, great. So I actually don't know if this dishwasher, I don't think it's been delivered yet. Um, all to say fast forward, I actually look into it. I do have a home warranty on this that would have covered this because the motherboard was broken and I would have just gotten this all handled like the one time that the home warranty would have worked for me actually was this time. And I didn't even know. And I've been on the phone with home Depot trying to coordinate the delivery with the delivery guy. And then this guy, and then they say that they're going to schedule it and then they're going to reschedule it. And then they call me and they're like, just kidding. I don't know why he told you that he doesn't even work for us. He's like some random guy that just plays pranks. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen, but that's how it feels. It really, I mean, I'm just like, Oh, appliances, supply chains, deliveries, leaving it in the hands of big box stores. Dave just didn't work out for me. No lesson to be learned here other than like, (laughs) <laughs> don't buy new appliances get them for free on craigslist they last a lot longer yeah for sure wow i was gonna say not likely to happen again but you you proved me wrong in the first <laughs> one second oh man all right two more two more and then uh and then I'll, I'll leave us with an encouraging word to to inspire people back into self-management i promise all right what do you got our pool at our motel was like days from ruin uh <laughs> What do you mean? I don't even know how to. Okay. So basically an inspector, we bought this motel inspector comes out. 
He's like, hey, the chlorine you're using is like illegal. And we're like, oh, that's fun. Thank you. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, so we have to empty the pool. Um, it wasn't in use. It was already shut down. It, was, it needed maintenance anyways. But basically, um, we have to empty out the pool, which is like a hard thing to do. The filter, the pumps that are broken, like, like I said, it was already shut down. And basically, we empty out the pool. The previous, not the person who sold us the motel, but the person before that, like runs into the hotel and is like, hey, you can't have the pool empty. And we're like, why? And they're like, the last uh, we just installed a new liner. The last time that we did this, like the liner tore and the walls caved in and it cost us $20,000 to fix. You have to fill it up with water as soon as possible. And we're like, okay, all right, all right. like, hold on, we're going to do our best. And so basically we try to fill it up with water. The pumps are broken. So we have to go and get the water hauled in professionally from some random company, like an hour and a half away to fill up this pool. And I think we were too late and there was already a tear. The tear happened in the liner anyways. The walls didn't collapse. It's all fixable, but it was all just one of those things where it's like, we're all like trying to call pool companies. No one in a one and a half mile radius from Tupper Lake will do that. They're like, sorry, it's just, we don't have a company nearby. Yeah. So, so that's it. That's, I mean, that was kind of like a, oh, okay. So learning experience there. I don't know. Pools. I'm already finicky on. I don't, yeah. I don't like pools. I don't like hot tubs. Uh, watch my YouTube channel and you'll understand why. Really? There's so much maintenance. Yeah. It's true. Actually, I have a hot tub and it's probably the number one thing I have to pay for. And it makes the electricity bill absolutely insane. But I, you know, they do say that you get more bookings because of it. I think, you, you know, do. mine's in a ski town. People love going in a hot tub after they go skiing. You need yeah, it. So. I mean, hot tubs are like, they add up to 39, maybe it's $49 to your ADR, your average daily rate. Wow. So it's a net positive, worth it. but yeah, worth it. stuff goes wrong all the time, dude, all the time with my hot tubs. Actually, nothing went wrong last week, which is kind of weird to say that because that's always the one thing that goes wrong in my Don't whole Don't say portfolio. that out loud. Now you're going to be cursed. <laughs> no. Well, this doesn't come out for a while, so maybe, I'm, maybe I'll be okay until it comes out, until it's out in the ether. Um, so yeah, that one was like... Well, we were already budgeting like a $10,000 repair on that pool. Um, we were over budgeting. We were really padding it. Looks like we're going to use pretty much every dollar of that now. Um, not anything that we could have prevented because of the circumstances, but learning experience there is don't keep a pool empty. Apparently, it's really bad for a pool if it's got a liner. New, new knowledge for everyone at home. All right. Round it out. What's our last one? Is this going to be positive or are we going to get some uplifting news here? Uh, I, th I think so. Okay. So this one was like definitely a customer service miss, not mishap, like, uh, I guess save, save the day. All right. So guest reaches out and she says, Hey, I just got to your cabin and listen, I'm not confrontational at all. I usually would let this go, but this and this and this was wrong. So basically there was like a hair on the ground. It's always just like a single hair. And I think there was like two spots in the house where there was a hair. Um, the string lights were broken. Like they didn't turn on. And we don't really know why these string lights, they just, I don't know, they were like two years old at that point. And then the French doors in the living room wouldn't, wouldn't lock. They would just open. And so this is typically not a big deal because it's on the second story and like no one can actually break in. I mean, kudos to anyone who breaks in this way, I guess. However, we do have bears all the time on this property. And so I think they were really just like scared that a bear could break in because actually they do go up on that second story balcony all the time. So it is a plausible scenario that a bear could just be like, and then like open the door basically. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. 
let me fix all this for you. I'm the worst. Please forgive me. I'm going to make this up to you. I need this five star. Uh, so anyway, you don't know what kind of week I've had lately. Uh, so, so basically like my cleaners are amazing, man. They, they really are. Anytime something like that happens, they're like, we're on, we're on it. So I called them. They're like, we'll be right out. And so literally they show up like 15 minutes later and the lady's like, oh my God, like you are fast. And I'm like, I know. I look, if I have an unhappy guest, I'm going to make him happy. Uh, I get my handyman out there. He says, Hey, French doors actually do work, but there's a lock at the top of it. Let them know. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm so dumb. I'm sorry. Like, you're right. It, it does lock. And I was like, yeah, no big deal. Third thing, he comes out and he fixes all the string lights nice. and he, he replaces them all within a day. So basically I will say, dude, like, I, I killed it on this one, all right? All of these I try to kill it on, but you never, like, depending on how disgruntled a guest is, there's nothing you can do to make it right, even if you're, like, going over and beyond. But on this one, because I was able to fix all the problems, like, within basically an hour or two. Oh, oh, and there wasn't a power cord. Oh, man, this is annoying. There wasn't a power cord on my Amazon Prime because the previous guest, like, stole it. So the actual TV, Netflix and stuff wasn't working. So I had my handyman go out and buy Roku's and replace it. So I'm just like... I'm like, all right, here's what's going to happen, lady. Sit down because you are you don't even understand how fast this is about to go. <laughs> I just got Russell out there. He's going to Lowe's. He's snapping necks and cashing checks. He's getting you Roku's. I just ordered 48 feet, linear feet of string lights. They're LED. They will save me money on electricity and thus provide you the adequate lighting that you need around this hot tub. And my cleaners will be right there. So I'm like, you know, just putting it all in. And she's like, oh my God, thank you so much. So she ends the, she was like, you're so, this is amazing. Like I've never had service like this. Five stars. Like she leaves me like that in her like emojis and stuff. I'm like, great. And then she checks out and she just says like, Hey, I just wanted to reach out one more time. Like, this was so amazing. I got to see a bear with my daughter. She wrote, she, she took a photo of a note that she, um, that she basically like wrote and it was really nice, dude. Like I always get emotional when I read this stuff because I was like, that's, she was so nice, you know? And she basically like wrote this whole little note that was like on a little, you know, like a, a sticky note with lines on it. And she filled out every inch of it. And she was basically like, I made new memories here. Like I, I got to like bond with my daughter. We saw a bear, like your, your customer service was so great. So that kind of rounds us all out to basically say that, look, there will be bad, there will be good. I just want everyone to know it's okay because the good truly, truly, truly outweighs the bad. If you go down like my ratings on Airbnb, I've you, there, I've got ratings across the board, man. I've got 2,000 ratings, all right? I probably have like, like 10 one stars, usually stuff out of my control. I've got like 23 stars. I've got... 54 stars, but I've got like 1,800 five stars, right? And so if we choose to live by the negative, you're going to hate this. You're not going to want to get into it. If that's something that you dwell on, it's just not something that you're going to be fulfilled in doing. And this is something that I've had to realize as a content creator on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram. Dude, people like are mean all the time. I don't really care all that much, but dude, the people that that reach out and say nice things that say, hey, I quit my nine to five because of short-term rentals, because you got me into this, or dude, I just made eight grand like on my first short-term rental because of a YouTube video that I saw on the algorithm like a year ago that you posted. Like that kind of stuff is what makes my life. It's what makes my career is the satisfaction that comes from that. And it's the same thing on short-term rentals. If I were to focus on the 200 bad ones, I'd be so bummed, dude. I'd be very, very, very depressed about my whole portfolio. But if you just sat through and read the 1800 positive reviews, 
Like it's very heartwarming. Like I tear up all the time. I genuinely do. Not not every single one, but there are some that it's just like you know when it's a a dad talking about lighting, like teaching his little daughter how to light a fire in the chimney, and he got to do that with his daughter for the first time ever, and that's something that was meaningful for them. Like that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, I helped someone create that memory forever. Like they will always talk about that trip where they proposed, where they got married, where they celebrated something together. And that connection, that camaraderie and that bonding all happened under the roof of my Airbnbs. Boom. How's that? That's awesome. I love it. That's a great way to end it, man. I, uh, I love the positive message and you're right, man. People, things, Things go wrong and it happens, but you got to focus on the good things. I, I definitely identify with what you're talking about with content creation. It's like, I probably get, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you get probably it. get like 50 to one positive to negative comments, but that negative oh, one, yeah. you just like, it like sticks in your mind and you're just like thinking yeah, about it all it, day. It can. It's like, man, sure. if you just think about all the nice things people say to you, life's going to be a lot better. But you wrapped it up beautifully. Thank you for sharing this Thank stuff, you. man. You know, Woo, it's always man. helpful to learn from people's mistakes. Um, and not always mistakes, just hard times. It's, it's good to know. I mean, a lot of these were, were, I'll be very honest about it. A lot of things were things that I could have implemented sooner and all that stuff. But that is the point of today's episode. And it's like, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm very successful in this industry. Like I teach people how to do this. And honestly, like I just had something happen today on this list. Like the lady finally left me the review. She called it an epic failure, all this stuff. And I posted it to my, my host camp Facebook group. And I'm like, guys, even, even Papa bear fails. Sometimes I failed this one, but I learned and here's what I learned. Boom, boom, boom. And everyone's like, thank you. I appreciate it. So that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to like, Learn the hard way so people can learn the easy way. And I know that's something you could probably relate with. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thank you for sharing. And thanks for having me uh, on to uh, follow your journey awesome, a little dude. bit. We got to do more of these. I love it. I had, I had a lot of fun. Same. I'm, I'm Whenever you need me, I'll be around. Awesome, man. Well, Dave, if anyone wants to find out more about you, where can they where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, you could do it in two places. Uh, one is I am the host of a Bigger Pockets podcast called On the Market, where we talk about the data, news, and trends that investors should be following to make informed investing decisions. And also, you can find me on Instagram, where I'm at the Data Deli. Awesome. And everyone, you can find me over on YouTube at Rob Built. There's a lot of misinformation out there. People that think it's Robilt, but it's Robilt, R-O-B-U-I-L-T. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robilt. <laughs> Just kidding, Robilt. And uh, if you want to see me dance and get get nerdy, f- follow me on the old TikTok at Robilto. I just add an O at the end because someone snapped Robilt for me and they wanted like 18 grand for it. <laughs> what a jerk. I mean, I guess people do that all the time, but it's fine. It was my domain. It was my domain. They they were like, hey, I see you owe, own rawbuilt.co. Would you like to buy rawbuilt.com for $18,000? And I was like, I like .co. It was eight ninety nine. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, ooh, what's a good what's a good call out for this? This is, uh, this is Rob for, I don't know. David's so much better at this. Um, how, <laughs> yeah, he is good at it, man. I don't know. All right. How about, how about this? This is Rob for Dave. We're all missing David Green wherever he's at around the world. Meyer, signing out. Goodbye.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.